from the Steel Valley Triathletes in Ohio, Aaron Burns. Coming down the chute, Aaron Burns, you are an Iron Man. Welcome to the Just a Runner's podcast. We're here to talk about all things running and racing on the Youngstown area's first running podcast. Here's your host and Youngstown Marathon Ambassador, Bruce McIntosh and Pico. Hey everybody, how's it going? Um, let's see here. This week I got a chance to talk with a old friend of mine who recently ran the Chattanooga uh, Ironman, 144.6 miles total. Uh, so we'll get into that with her in a minute. Uh, not, not a lot going on this week. Taking it pretty easy. Uh, the Youngstown Marathon is coming up October 24th. If you haven't signed up yet, hopefully you still have time when you're listening to this. Um, I believe they're still open almost to the last minute on that one. So if it's a, if you have time, sign up. You can use my code Bruce21 and save 15%. And this is, there's a lot of races going on. Very exciting time to be in running. And so if you haven't signed up for anything else, that would be a great one to go out and do. And see. Other than that, uh, oh, the week after that, going to a first year event in Canal Fulton, uh, the Haunted Forest Marathon and Half Marathon. I'll be doing the Half Marathon with a goal of beating Brandon Domgowski before he finishes the marathon. I should check the starting times just to make sure. Uh, I still how long I have, but <laughs> it's just uh, I'm sure I. Uh, I should be, I shouldn't have too much trouble there, but anyways, um, do want to get right into the interview with uh, Aaron and anything else? Uh, well, just thanks you to everybody for listening in advance, and if you want to support the podcast, please uh, rate and review it on iTunes or Google or wherever you listen, and go ahead and share it or. Send me an email at justarunner65 at gmail.com if you have any uh, questions or suggestions. Thank you. Welcome to the Just a Runner's podcast with our Ola. Well, you've been here several times now. Uh, Yeah, sure. uh, It's been a little while. I'm here with Aaron Burns, since not everybody can see who I'm talking to. But uh, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. And we got Erin because she accomplished, after quite a while, uh, amazing achievement. She is Ironman Erin now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see, it was the Chattanooga Ironman. 100, what, what's the total mileage on that, actually? 140? It's 100, 144.6 miles. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> And we'll go back to the beginning and let you share your story here, but you had been working on that for quite a while uh, because of the pandemic. You actually got delayed. Weren't you supposed to be doing this last year? Yes. Yeah. So I signed up with um, a friend, Barb uh, Kaczynski, back in the fall of 2019. Um, We decided that we would do that race specifically because it was a down river stream uh swim and that was going to be easy and we both really don't care for the swim portion it's not our favorite part so we decided that chattanooga was the perfect place to go and it was within driving distance so we signed up and lo and behold the pandemic hit in early 2020 and we just you know i continued training and with hopes that it would happen. And as the year kind of went on and we 
saw more things shut down, we figured that this was not going to be the year for it. And in July of that year, uh, they finally pulled the plug and told us that we were not going to be racing that year. But I decided that I was going to continue to train because uh, what doesn't, you know, why stop now? And you can only get stronger the more training you do. So I had hired a coach in early 2020. I used um, Caitlin from Crew Racing and Rehab as my coach. I knew that she would get me to the finish line healthy and in good shape. So I decided that I would keep her and just continue the training and see what happens. And I'm kind of glad that 2020 went the way it did for our racing season because I feel like I was a much stronger athlete this year than I was last year but knowing also that I, I saw okay so it seemed like July of this year is when really the training started to ramp up and progress so maybe I don't know how strong I would have been last year because we changed kind of our tactics in July um, but this year July kind of is where it's, I felt like it started to really ramp up and um you know, I just put everything I had into the training. I didn't waver from what she told me to do. And in the end, it paid off. Um, I had a really great day. I had a really great time. Uh, I felt like I had enough energy to get through the swim, the bike, and the run. And ultimately, I met my goal and I finished the race. So I was very, very happy for that. Yeah, because I know we've been running together for a long time. For anybody that doesn't know that, uh, and then the last couple of years, well, last year and this year, you've been following a set schedule for your runs and everything. So we've all, I've kind of got into that routine because you always had a, you always start off at the five minute walk or 10 minutes. It was a 10 minute walk. We shortened it. <laughs> yeah, five or 10 minutes. It just depended on the day really. But yeah, the, the walks, um, Caitlin had said that that was, getting me ready for when I would have to walk during the marathon, assuming that I would, and I did. So it was all part of part of the master plan. So <laughs> Well you said you started ramping up in July. So what was like a week in July for training? Like maybe you quickly go through like Monday through Okay, so Monday was an hour swim. So I got up at five o'clock in the morning and I swam for an hour and then I got ready for my day. And then Tuesday would be a bike and a run typically. So I would bike anywhere from an hour to two hours. And then I would run anywhere from a transition run of 15 to 30 minutes to up to an hour. And sometimes that was back to back and sometimes it was spaced out. Um, and I that was fun fitting in in my day because again, it was, an early morning rise usually to get the run or the bike done first and then you know after work would typically be my run if it was an hour so and then Wednesdays for a while were group runs and then slowly those kind of dissipated and I ended up with an, an hour swim again sometimes I had a run in the afternoon um, but not it seemed like those kind of went away so as those went away, I stopped coming to the group runs on Wednesday because it was, it was tiring. And so any extra rest I could get, I took advantage of. And then Thursday was the same thing as Tuesday. So it would be an hour to two hour bike and then uh, another hour run in the afternoon. And then Friday was typically another hour swim. And then um, an hour plus. Usually Fridays are my longest swim of the week. And then Saturday was always my really long bike ride. So those those got up to a total of six hours um, on the weekend. And then I had usually a transition run right after it, somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour. So um, Saturdays were really long days. And then Sunday was my long run. And those typically went somewhere around two hours. And then when I got home, I... <laughs> Sat myself <laughs> on the couch and relaxed. <laughs> I know I made the joke the one time back probably in August about said you probably just go home and sleep on or lay on the couch and ask uh, Brandon to feed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, 
pretty much. <laughs> I could see the fridge from the the living room, but you know, it was. Yeah, I tried really hard because Kate instilled that into us that you know we really needed to take that extra time to rest, and um, I wanted to follow everything that she told me. And typically, we were, were go 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 people. We you know once. Oh, Once my workout is done, usually in an off season or a time where I'm not doing this really hard training, you know, we would do the run or whatever. And then Brandon and I would go out for the day. And uh, it was really hard to just tell myself, no, you need to sit at home and not do anything. So we missed, I, I was thinking about it the other day, July, August, and September on the weekends, really, we didn't do much unless it was a family function or something we had planned you know far in advance to do so i we sacrificed quite a or i sacrificed quite a bit of my own time and things i like to do in order to do this race yeah i could uh, i know you missed out on certain things and six hours on a saturday to go for a bike ride that's a big chunk yeah. of your day and I know me, I wouldn't be able to do much after that. I know even from some of my long runs where we're going three hours or longer, four hours, uh, that, that pretty much chews up my whole day. And then all I want to do is lay around. Yeah. yeah. What was your longest yeah. run? You didn't, I don't think you did. Um, like 20 I years. I think that my longest run was somewhere right around two hours. And I only went maybe... 11 miles total so <laughs> which is really odd when you think about just marathon training in itself nobody would ever run 11 miles and say yeah i'm ready for that marathon, marathon. um but really and truly it was it was enough <clears throat> it was exactly enough for me so yes it was uh so you got through the training and then the week of because we'll progress uh, you went down to Chattanooga. You want to? You, you did your drive down because you have to take all your quit your bike and. Oh my it. gosh! Let me tell you that if you think running is a hard sport, you should know you should not try triathlons. Um, the, I'd say so. We left on Wednesday after work, and I started packing that Monday. And you're talking about for the swim. I had to make sure I had. Uh, swim caps, two pairs of swim goggles, my wetsuit. I also had a swim skin because typically in the past, the water temperature for race day has not been wetsuit legal, but they have rain almost up until the day that we arrived in Chattanooga. So I knew that there was a chance that maybe, and you know, with all this cooler weather we've all been having at the moment, um, I thought maybe there might be a chance that it might be wetsuit legal and it ended up being wetsuit legal. So I'm glad I, I brought that. So that was all I needed for my swim. For the bike, I need my bike. Um, I need the bottles that go on the bike. Uh, nutrition, which it consisted of uh, tailwind. I had to have um, six individual packets of tailwind on me the cliff blocks i used on the bike i had i brought way more than i needed just just to be on the safe side and just to give myself a variety of different ones um i'd have my bike helmet my bike shoes uh my tri kit that i wear uh, which i wear all day even for the swim socks sunglasses i'm trying to think of what else the bike pump for my uh, air in the tires, um, tools, extra tires, spare tubes for the tires, just in case I got a flat. I mean, you name it, I it, it was in there for the for the bike, and then obviously for the run, that's the easiest part. I had sunglasses, my tennis shoes, an extra pair of socks. Um, I switched to noon for the run. That's what I've been using the entire time. Uh, to drink for the run was noon and then also the honey stinger waffles so i had a handful of those on me as well so just you know every little bit and piece just adds up and you're like you just have to make sure you have it all plus i was doing workouts while i was down in tennessee 
ahead of that. So I had to have extra run gear and extra biking gear on top of that. Plus, you know, the clothes that you would wear, you know, just throughout the day and clothes for dinner and then, you know, just, you know, relaxing clothes to have. It, it was a lot, a lot of stuff to pack for it. Yeah. Um, and then we left Wednesday night and we stayed halfway, just about halfway. We stayed just on the other side of Cincinnati in Wilder, Kentucky. And it poured rain uh, when we left. So Brandon's bike was the one on the outside and we actually stuffed my bike into the back of my car so that it didn't get wet. And then Thursday morning we woke up and drove the rest of the way to Chattanooga. And Chattanooga, I thought was going to be this big city, um, you know, something similar to like what Cleveland and Pittsburgh are. And actually, we found out that it's smaller than Akron. Okay. So it was a very walkable city. It wasn't hard to navigate around, which was really nice. And um, it, was, it was a great place to, to have this, this race. So a great time there. Um, Thursday we had a run when we got there so we got there we kind of unpacked and then we headed down to the athlete village and got um some ironman gear that i had wanted like the event t-shirt i got a sun visor i had wanted one of those and didn't have one so i got that and then we took that back up to an apartment that we were staying at which was like 0.7 miles away from like the start well, the end of the swim and all the transition and finish line area. So it was very walkable. And then we went on our run and we went on some of the run course. Brandon went with me and we did some of the bridges and over to the other side of the river. It was all super pretty. And then we walked around and found a place to eat dinner that night. Friday morning, all of my friends were coming into town. So some were there and some were arriving on Friday. So it was like a super exciting day. Uh, it had a lot of... You had um, a lot of support down there. I sure did. We were really lucky. Um, some of our tri-club members, the Steel Valley Tri-Club, we had several people race there. JJ raced down there, Greg Signs, Diane Downey. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Bon, and then... Um, bon. From crew racing, Ryan Latch and his wife came down, and Ryan was racing. And then uh, my coach Kate came down, and then friends Deb and Sherry and Jason and Deb's husband Chuck all came down. Wow. And I know they weren't just there for me, but it felt like you know there was just so many people that I knew personally. That was just it was really nice. Um, so Friday we drove over into Georgia. And Brandon came with us and myself and Ryan Latch actually went and did the, some of the bike course. And that was important to me because, you know, when I've done some of these other triathlons, I know the area pretty well. And this was completely unfamiliar and I wasn't sure what I was gonna be up for. I knew that there was a lot of elevation on the bike. It was about five, close to 5,000 feet of elevation gain. And, you know, here in Youngstown, Ohio, we were flat uh, for the most part. <laughs> so I was really nervous about what was ahead for me to climb on my bike. And so we did about um, 17 miles and did about 1,000 feet of elevation gain that day. And it was actually part of the hilliest section of the bike course that we went on. So that was actually really good. And um, it was another beautiful day. And then that night we went, uh, we met some of the Tri Club members down at the Athlete Village and took a couple pictures. And then we went and had dinner at an Italian restaurant that we ended up actually having dinner at Saturday night as well. And then just kind of kicked back and relaxed. And then Saturday, we had to check our bikes in, check all of our um, gear in for the bike and the run. Uh, there's five bags that I had to fill. So there's a morning, a morning clothes bag that I could give back um, right before I got into the swim. And then there's a bike gear bag that I would get when I got out of the water for the swim. And then there's a special needs bike bag 
that I would get at mile 54 on the bike. I had to fill that one. Then I had a run bag for when I got off of the bike. And then I had a special needs run bag for halfway through the marathon. So five bags <laughs> of stuff I had to fill with everything that I brought with me that I would need that day. Uh, I had to have all of that stuff ready to go Saturday. So I checked everything in. And um, when I was checking my bike and I was trying to find out where my bike was racked in this volunteer came over to me and he said can I help you and I said yeah I said I need to find 2085 which was the number that I had and he said oh, okay you're down over here he said um are you you're a pro athlete and I said no <laughs> <laughs> and he said well you know they they your bike rack is with the pros and I said Oh my gosh. I, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about at first. And he said, well, don't you know that you're, when you have this green wristband on, that's how everybody gets into the transition area is a green athlete band. He said, you know, if you've got this green band on, that means you're a pro. And so it kind of calmed my nerves down a bit. So he, he was kind of joking around with me and kind of made me lighten myself up a little bit. And so I got to, bike my rack or rack my bike <laughs> rather and um, I actually got to rack my bike near all of my triathlon friends from the tri club because we all checked in together on Friday that was an advantage that we could rack our bikes together so oh, as good. we're all coming out of the water even though we're at different times we may see each other at the transition area and um, that was nice it was it was nice and we did kind of I saw Greg Steins as I was running to my bike. He had already gotten his bike and was headed out of transition. So um, it was nice. It was nice to kind of see a familiar face in a sea of 2,000 athletes. And um, so, so after we did all the check-in on Saturday, we ended up ordering out from the same place we ate on Friday. And the place we stayed at was kind of like a... I don't know how, there's a bunch of apartments, but when you walk into the bottom, they've got like a bar area, they've got um, a spot where people kind of connect with different uh, stations for work. Um, they had ping pong tables and, did they have a pool table? I can't remember. What was it? Oh, a shuffleboard table. So there, and there was a couple places that you could just sit around. So um, myself and Diane Downey and a Another triathlon friend, Dale, actually came in support of Diane. All went downstairs and we had dinner together Saturday night and talked about, you know, the race on Sunday. And it was really nice. Um, Saturday night, I was in bed at 7.30, which is really (laughs) (laughs) hard for me. (laughs) But I wanted to lay down because I knew that Sunday morning was going to be, you know, an early morning start and I needed as much rest for that long day as possible. What time did you start to swim? We started the swim late. It was supposed to be a 7, 7.30 start for age group athletes. And it actually ended up starting at 7.45. They had pushed it back, I think because of the fog. It was a bit, little bit foggy in the morning, the start of race day. So um, we did have several pro triathletes um, come and race. So they actually had a men and women's pro section that started before the age groupers. And we actually saw some of the pro men and women. I saw them on the bike as they were making their second loop around the course. And I was, of course, on my first loop. <laughs> uh, we got to see, see them and the television crews that are following them. It was, it was pretty neat. So... So, how long do you actually have to complete the whole thing? The whole... Um, some Ironmen you get 17 or 17 and a half. It, it all, all depends, I think, on the race venue itself. Yeah. But for Chattanooga, you had 16 and a half hours, even though you had a longer course. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't yeah. seem right. <laughs> No, it's, it's another thing that made me really nervous, especially because I never had done anything like this before. So, I mean, when I told Brandon that I thought I'd finish somewhere around 14 hours, I actually pretty much hit the nail on the head. 
Um, but that was just kind of a shot in the dark thinking about how long it, I thought it would take me to swim, bike, and run. So, you know, it's just a guesstimate. But, you know, if you account for things that can go wrong, mostly on the bike for me, you know, mechanical things that you don't have any control over, like a flat tire or a drop chain or anything else that, you know, could go wrong, you know, you're waiting for support to come in and get you and you don't have any idea how long that is. Now, some things you, you can fix yourself. You should be able to fix a flat, a flat tire, um, but they're much harder with race wheels on. So, and I have race wheels. So, you know, it's, you're, you're at the mercy of someone else helping you and you don't know how long that can be. So, how, well, the swim, you did the swim. How long did the swim part take you? So the swim was was different. I've never, all of my swim starts I've ever done have been running into the water. And this one, we got to jump off a dock. Oh. So uh, we went down this ramp and I jumped into the Tennessee River. And actually it's probably the cleanest open water swim I've ever done. You can actually see people's arms and feet next to you and typically you really can't see yeah. that and folks around here. <laughs> so it's a 2.4 mile swim and it's all down river. And it took me an hour and five minutes to complete, which was really fast. Um, there was a, definitely a current, oh, an hour and four minutes. Brandon's telling me it's an hour and four minutes. <laughs> hey, that's even better. We'll go with Brandon. So, yeah, it's, it's all downriver, and they had rain that week, and there was actually a scare that they were not going to let us swim because of E. coli. Um, but they had cleared that, and the water temperature, I think, was 70... 73 or 74 for race day and to be wetsuit legal it has to be 76.1 or, or less so um everything was great about it there's three or four bridges that you go under as you're swimming and on one of them i specifically remember as i was rolling to take a breath i could hear people on the bridge cheering so it was pretty cool and i knew that as we got to the bridges that this one was almost done yeah um, and I, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I can swim and I can hold my own, but it's, I just was ready to get out of that water. So knowing, knowing that those bridges were there and, and to be almost done was, was exciting. And then you get pulled out of the water, you, you swim up to these steps and you can't really see the bottom step, but they've got people there basically yanking you out of the water. So there was someone in front of me, so I had to wait as she was getting pulled out of the water before I could get pulled up out of the water. Um, but it was a good swim. It's the best swim I'll probably ever have in my lifetime. I mean, just for a reference, when I swam the 70.3 at Ohio, it took me 48 minutes. So to swim double that distance in less than double that time was yeah, that's a, pretty awesome. So yeah. A marked improvement there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give give Kate all the credit, but I think some of that's the current in the river. <laughs> we won't mention the river helping out here. <laughs> you you were against the current. We'll tell everybody that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now the transitions, frankly, uh, do you how much changing do you do to get ready for to go from the swim to the bike? Okay. Well, it depends. You know, everybody is different. Some people actually fully switched gear. In typical times and in pre-COVID times, I guess there was actual changing tents where people completely changed out of one thing and into another, and they were blocked on all four sides so that the public couldn't see any nudity. Um, but during COVID times, they actually it was an open air tent, so that the tent was open on three of the four sides just a, a divider between the male and the female side 
and you just go into this tent and there's a bunch of chairs lined up and there's a bunch of volunteers and you you know you get your your bike bag and you know towels in there and then all of your bike gear some people put i saw some ladies put like a, a dress over top of themselves and then change gear but i just stay i swam in my tri suit so or my yeah my tri suit so all i had to do was take my wetsuit off and dry as much of myself with my towel as i could and then put my bike helmet on my socks and my shoes and um put my nutrition in my the back of my kit and head out that's all i had to do and then they just stuff everything back into the bag for you and then they save it for whoever's going to pick up your gear so you take off on the bike how did the bike ride go for you um the bike ride was better than i expected um it was it was really beautiful. So we had actually seen most of the course on Friday, but we didn't see the part going from Chattanooga out to Georgia. That part we had not um, drove through during our course preview ride. So um, the ride out of Chattanooga and into Georgia is all city and there's a couple railroad tracks, but they were nice enough to put some rubber mats over top of it. So we didn't have to have, feel the extra bumps from the railroad tracks and the unevenness, which was nice. Um, and the roads were okay. They were kind of bumpy in some spots, but it was fine. And then they don't close the course to traffic. So they cone off like a certain section of the road okay. uh, to keep us safe, but it is open to traffic, but it was pretty light in the morning. And then you get into Georgia and the roads are pretty nice and it's just rolling hills so you know for every up there is a down and so you just kind of use that speed and momentum to get back up the next hill but nothing was too mountainous it was not like biking up big bear in mill creek park so <laughs> i was i was thankful for that but we did have um, some stretches of climbs and you know uh, kate had trained me well with using power on my bike so i knew how much of an effort to put out in order to sustain 116 miles. And every 15 miles or so, there was a bike aid station. So people stand out there holding water, like big bottles of water and big bottles of Gatorade endurance for you. And as you're biking, you don't, you don't have to stop. You just hold your hand out, grab it, and then put it wherever you want. And throw out whatever trash that you have just alongside that you can stop and i did have to stop i stopped three times during the bike every aid station also had porta johns so if you needed to get off the bike and go to the bathroom you could yeah. uh, jill asked me the other day when we did speed work if i peed on the bike because <laughs> <laughs> some people don't get off the bike to pee and i i got off the bike to pee because brandon swore that if i peed on it that he wouldn't touch it <laughs> <laughs> So, and not only that, but I just, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. That's just not something that, you know, I practiced and, and thought I would do anyways. And I wasn't concerned about my time on the bike necessarily. Yeah. As far as taking the extra minute or two to use a port john So, well, um, in that <laughs> amount of time, there's no way I'm going to not go use a restroom so right 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 and Kate said that that was a good measure of making sure that I was drinking enough if I had to pee then I was doing a good job with hydrating so um, I got off I think two or three times um, to pee and, and try to use the bathroom because my stomach had also started bothering me during the bike so I was battling, battling a little bit of an issue I don't know if I drank too much of the river water or too much sweet stuff between the tailwind and the cliff blocks but something just didn't really sit right did you do solid food or is it all like cliff blocks and um, i know jill was asking a lot of nutrition questions so maybe you can go into that first yeah so tailwind is meant to sustain you it's supposed to be i think they say it's all you need all day and i think they're right to a point I used primarily orange, mandarin orange flavor that they have, but I also have it in the Berry Blast. And I so when I started out on the bike, I had 
one orange and one berry on me. And then when I got to the first, the first time I stopped, I think I put berry in my um, tube up front that I just sip on with a straw. And I think it was just too sweet with, with the cliff blocks. And so I think that kind of turned my stomach. So then I started putting orange in there instead and got rid of my berry. And that was a little bit better, but it was still, the stomach still wasn't right. And so I think like four or five hours into the bike, I actually stopped my nutrition and went to water. And then I tried to get, they did have some bananas at some of the aid stations on the bike. So I did try, I think one or two bananas just um, to give me some calories and some carbs and to keep me going without using the stuff that I had on me. And that, it kind of worked, but kind of didn't work. So I, I battled a lot of stomach issues, but yeah, you know, the, it's part for the course. The river water <laughs> must not go well with tailwind. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing not, but you know, I, as I, was biking the miles just went by the time just went by and I kept thinking to myself you know I thought about everybody that was back there waiting for me to come back after my 116 miles and I thought boy I hope they're you know sitting down and having something to eat and you know enjoying themselves and not you know worried about where I am and and things like that and you know, I just, every time I, you know, pass a, I think every 10 miles we got mile markers. Um, so I was like, okay, so I'm at mile 60. I only have, you know, X amount left to go. Or, you know, as it started getting closer to 100, I'm like, boy, when I have 100 miles in, then I'm only going to have 16 left and 16 is easy. I can do that in an hour. And, you know, I just, whatever, you know, so many things fill your mind while you're you know, exercising for a very long period of time, but the miles really did just fly by and it never felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm only five hours in, I've got, you know, two, two and a half more to go. It just, it just I, flew by. I was at home, well, not home all day, but I was tracking you all day. And if you listen to the podcast that we were, I ended up recording a podcast with Greg and stuff, and we're talking about how we're tracking you during right. the podcast. <laughs> I got to learn my phone while we're talking, so I. And it was like I had started. I'm thinking about this. I said I started tracking her this morning when we're starting our run, or after, yep. and and later that evening we're making a podcast, and that was until six or seven, and we're still tracking you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was definitely a long day, but. Um, you know, the bike for me, I thought was the biggest hurdle and it was the biggest source of anxiety I had about the race, just because, like I said earlier, it's, it's, there's so many unknowns and some, so many things that are not necessarily in your control while you're on the bike that I just, all I kept telling everybody was, I just want to make it to the run. just want to make it to the run because if I knew I made it to the run, I knew I could do it. You know, there was no question in my mind that, um, once I got to the marathon, it was not going to be a cakewalk by any means, no. but I knew that I could, I knew that I could handle what was ahead with the marathon. So, um, as I was coming back into town, boy, I don't think I could have had a bigger smile. And I, <laughs> you know, said I, I did it and I saw, you know, Brandon and all my friends and I was just so excited to be back in Chattanooga and be back at transition to be able to get onto my feet, uh, and run. And I, I felt really good when I got off the bike. Um, they had volunteers that took the bike for you, which was something new for me as well. Typically, I'm used to running my back my bike back to the rack, and you, you just get off the bike at the dismount line, and a volunteer just takes your bike away. So you're just running straight down this these rows of 2,000 bags to find your bag, and people are on a megaphone yelling out your bib number. Uh, to help you find your bag and sure enough as I got down to towards the end of uh, where all the bags were some girl had my bag and so we went back into the same spot that we had changed into our biking stuff in and we got ready for the run and for me that was only you know putting my bike shoes and my bike helmet away and getting out a sun visor and running shoes and then my nutrition so pretty simple i think um both transitions were pretty short 
for a long distance triathlon. I think maybe my bike, my swim to bike might have been nine minutes. Yeah, nine minutes. And then my um, bike to run transition was only six minutes. So in the grand scheme of things, that's not, I didn't think I was doing too bad. Uh, you know, to take six minutes yeah. after riding a bike for 116 miles to get ready for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't too bad so no. um it did you know a lady did sit down next to me when she was when we were getting off the bike and into the transition tent and we were just kind of joking back and forth about some things and kind of calmed me down and and i you know headed out for the run and i saw all my friends and i caught brandon twice as i was headed out and the second time but down by the river Deb's husband Chuck had asked some girls to chant Aaron. <laughs> so as I was going by this group of girls who I had no no idea who they were were chanting for me. So I was I was all pumped up and excited and my legs felt great and Good job. My stomach was still upset, but you know, I was I was happy to be on the run. And then I met Kate as I was starting to climb the first hill, and she told me, "Girl, you can walk this whole marathon, and you're going to finish. You're going to be an Ironman today." And I, you know, I couldn't help but think, "Yes, this is you know, it's going to happen." Um, but I had no intention of walking a whole marathon. My gosh, it could have been. <laughs> it been a lot, a lot of time on my feet that I didn't want. But I tell you what, when I when we started kind of getting into the groove, um, we had aid stations every mile. So every mile I knew I could get water, I could get um, water, I could get Coca-Cola, I could get Red Bull, I could get <laughs> chips, pretzels, bananas, and Gatorade. Well stocked. And a toilet. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So it was, it was great. Um, you know, there was everything you ever needed was a mile away. So that was... That was a great thing to have, but once you kind of settled into the run, everybody was, not everybody, a lot of people were walking, and it looked like a horrible death march, is what it reminds me of, just people just, I've been almost there. like in the zombie mode, they just, they know they have to get this done, but they are walking, and they look miserable, um, and it's, it's a result. I think, and a lot of people said this in their own comments that, you know, they, they blew their legs up on the bike is what happened. And so, you know, you have to struggle through the marathon and boy, I was so thankful. I was not one of those people that was on the struggle bus there. Um, every mile just kind of seemed to tick by. I was at 13 in no time and it was, uh, the bike and the run both had double loops. So when I got close to 13, I got to see Brandon, I got to see my coach again, I got to see my friends, and um, I, you know, I was excited. I knew I was halfway done with the marathon, and I still felt pretty good, and my legs were still moving, and I was a happy camper, and it started to get dark, I think around mile 17, and... You know, that didn't that didn't bother me because I've run in the dark before for ultra marathons, but I hadn't run in the dark in a really long time. I think 2017 maybe was the last time <laughs> or 18. I can't remember. I think it was 17. It was the last time I had done an ultra and, and run in the dark, but the dark Might didn't be. bother me. There were some spots where like things were lit up in the streets, but along the river in the park areas, some of the lights were very dim. And, you know, it was, it was kind of dark and you had to watch your feet, but I, somewhere around mile 19, I remember seeing the, the 19 mile marker and I was like, you know, I, my stomach is just, it won't settle down. Like maybe if I try walking for a little bit, maybe it will settle down. And unfortunately that was the start of most of my walking for the rest of the race um just to try and keep my stomach calm I, I i tried to go to the bathroom and to, to no success and i tried uh coca-cola to try to calm my stomach i tried just having water and just no 
no tricks seemed to work. So um, I knew I, I had it in the bag. I, I was watching my watch. I think I was at almost, I think it was at three hours and 28 minutes when I was uh, at mile 19, I think. Brandon's showing me the three hours and 46 minutes um, is what I was at at mile 19 and some change. So I knew that, you know, I had the potential to still have a, a pretty decent marathon following 118 miles. And it ended up being like a 530 marathon, which is by far my slowest, but, you know, only by 30-ish minutes. And, you know, I, I just keep thinking back to after 118 miles, if I can do a marathon in 530, I feel like that's still a pretty good. decent time and, and not <laughs> that, that was my time in my last of, so. that was my time in uh, Canton and I didn't bike ride 116 miles yeah. before that yeah I mean I just I I honestly felt and I could have you know if the finish line was still five more miles after that I still feel like I could have done it like it still would have been I still could have moved my body enough to do whatever it needed to do and I felt I felt great, you know, overall besides my stomach, but, you know, mentally I felt really sharp. There was never a moment where I said, gosh, when is this darn thing over? Or, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. I can't go on. I just want to quit. None of that ever came to mind. And I really think that the years of doing endurance sports has really helped me mentally um, stay strong like that in order to make it. Uh, without those negative thoughts and the finish line was you know I was so happy to be there I could I could hear it when we were across the bridge um in the in the nighttime and you know we had two big hills to run before we got back over to the other side of the bridge but you could hear um the announcer calling people in and telling them that they're an Iron Man and I kept thinking I I'm almost there he's gonna call my name and um when I got kind of into the shoot, I got to see two of my friends, Greg and JJ, who had already finished the race, and they were nice enough to stay around to see me finish. And then, you know, there's bright lights coming at you, and I was searching and searching for Brandon because I knew he was there somewhere. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I got to see him before I crossed the finish line. <clears throat> so I, I did find him eventually and went over and hugged him and you know, went across the line and, and got to hear my name, so. From the Steel Valley Triathletes in Ohio, Aaron Burns. Coming down the chute, Aaron Burns, you are an Iron Man. All in all, it was a successful venture and I, I'm so happy to be an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> it had to get emotional there at the end after all the time and everything you've put in training on all this. And to put you know, that. I, I I think when I hugged Brandon after he found me after the medal, I think I was a little bit emotional, but you know, I just, I don't think I ever shed a tear during that time. I, I was, I just was so excited and so happy um, to have met my goal that I've been working on for two years that I, that's all I could think about was, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to meet this goal. I'm going to hear my name that I heard my name and it just, it was just all so surreal and so exciting that I, I don't, I didn't have time to be emotional. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I, I can't even imagine that. I mean, I've done marathons and stuff, but the other parts of it, I just have no, I can't imagine go, doing all that in one day. That's just incredible to me that people are able to do the Ironman distance triathlon, especially. I mean, the others are, you know, impressive, but uh, something really extremely impressive about this and being an Ironman. I mean, congratulations. That's, you know. Thank you. <laughs> it, I think that's a very good story. I am. Thanks for being on here and sharing it with everybody. And I know Thanks you put a, I know you put a long time in training for this and stuff. And I've been on many runs with you while you were training on it. And so I felt like I was at least a little bit involved in this while we were. Training. Oh yeah, I mean, I I 
was telling Brandon the whole week of of the Ironman and even after so many people reached out to me and um you know wished me good luck or offered words of encouragement or you know whatever the case may be I got text message I got phone calls I got um posts on my Facebook I got messages on Facebook I got um flowers while we were down in Chattanooga sent to me by family I had uh, cards in the mail when I came home with uh, gift cards for handles. I mean, you name it. And I just, I, I can't believe that my journey meant so much to other people and other people knew how much it meant to me. Your mother-in-law, wasn't she doing something for you? She did. She put out signs. So when we came home on Monday after nine and a half hours in a car. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's Um, worse yet. Yeah, it is. It was that was an, another Iron Man in itself uh, for both Brandon and I. And um, we came home, and she had Iron Man stuff all over my front door. She had um, signs in the yard saying that I was an Iron an Iron Man lived here. She had balloons with weights in the yard, and I left them up for a couple of days. And the Amazon Prime truck gave me some love one day. He beeped his horn. Um, they were brought over warm brownies when we got home. People in the neighborhood stopped and asked about it. I mean, Oof. you know, it was, it was a great welcome home. But yeah, I mean, just I I can't believe, like I said, everybody that had reached out to me. I I can't think enough because it really, it was really awesome to feel all that love from people that you know I'd either run with or talk to or friends with on Facebook. It's just it didn't matter who they were. Anything that they said or did for me was was so appreciated. All right, well, I'm going to let you get going. Uh, I'll thank you for being on again, and I'm sure I'll have you here again. Maybe we'll even get Brandon to speak up a little bit one of these times. <laughs> he was He's in the background. He's still doing Sherpa duty. He's showing me my time, so he's, <laughs> he's uh, the best Sherpa of all time in my book. Well, congratulations. <laughs> to him. Hey, the support crew is, uh, can be very important to a marathoner or tri- high athlete, so that's an important job, Absolutely. too. So. It is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs>